Well, good morning. My name is Nate, one of the pastors here. Great to see you guys this morning. Glad that you're here. Uh, we've had a great morning already, and it's, uh, we're going to dig into God's Word together today. Uh, some of you have been asked to hand out these little uh, Faith Every Day uh, flyers handouts, so I'd like to ask those of you that have those if you would start doing that right now. We've got a little notes page for you today, so we're going to be bringing those by and uh, dropping those off with you. So uh, we're going to be going through those together. Uh, I was thinking about this weekend. It was uh, two years uh, two years ago, this weekend, it was the first weekend that my wife and I and Haven moved into town here in Kansas City. It was our first weekend uh, at this church after moving out from Denver. And on that first Memorial Monday, we were up at the World War I Museum, the memorial service there, and really just grateful to be part of this gathering in our new hometown, just trying to get our minds around what Kansas City was all about. Uh, one of the things that we heard about a lot that first weekend was uh, something called the Nebraska, uh, Nebraska Furniture Mart, right? Is it Mart? Yeah, because uh, Memorial Weekend is where you hear all about these great sales. Like you can buy all sorts of great things on Memorial Weekend. There's sales on furniture and appliances and TVs and mattresses. And, um, you know, we were just blown away about how many ways you could, you could buy stuff. Any of you guys been up to the Nebraska Furniture place up there? Yeah, it's like like better than Ikea, you know, it's just amazing. So, uh, I mean, that's, we get that a lot on Memorial Weekend as well, all these sales. And I just wanted to start this morning by reminding you that, that you are placed on earth not just to consume things, not just to, to go buy things, that you are placed on earth uh, so that you could invest in others around you. You're not put here simply to consume, to be a user of people and things. You are created to contribute. God puts you together on purpose, with a purpose. And I want you to hear this this morning. You are designed to make a difference in this world. You are created to contribute, not just consume. You are created to contribute to those around you, not just consume in this world. With all the sales going on this weekend, I mean, it, it would be easy to get lost in that. But we have to be reminded that we were bought. We were bought at a, by a price that Jesus gave his life on the cross to buy us back to himself so that he could pour his spirit into us and invite us to be part of what he's doing in the world today, expanding his kingdom. And that means that, that God has shaped you to serve and invest in others' lives. When you're investing in your family and your friends and your neighbors, uh, you are living out your purpose. So you might hear Walmart say, save money, live better. Target might promise, expect more, pay less. But God has a different message for you today. And I want to read these words from Ephesians chapter 2, where Paul writes these words. And here's what Paul says. We are God's masterpiece. God has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We're here to bring good things into our neighborhoods. We're not here to take consume, use, and hoard. We're here to invest and share and lift up and bring hope, create justice, be a blessing because we've been blessed. If you've ever wondered if, if you're supposed to be doing something with your life, if you've ever wondered, what would God have me do with my life? You're asking the question that I'm hoping we'll lean into this morning. As you pursue this new life with Jesus, it, you decide that I'm going to become a producer instead of a consumer. I'm going to be the kind of person that gives instead of just takes, because that's what uh, the Spirit of God is calling you to. We can be a blessing and we can be a light in our communities. Instead of taking and keeping, we can be a blessing and we can be givers. 
In the Old Testament, we read about one uh, person named Jeremiah who came as a prophet. And before he began his work, God called him and, and spoke to him. And here's what God said to Jeremiah about his life. He said, before I made you, Jeremiah, before I put you together in your mother's womb, I chose you. Before you were born, I set you apart for a special work. And the wonder of our creator's love is that he looks at each one of us this morning and he says those same words to us. He says, I put you together on purpose. I, put, I, I gave you a special work and I placed you where you are so that you can live out that work in your community, in your family, in your neighborhood. That is part of God's grace in our lives today. We are shaped by God to serve and invest in others. Over the past several weeks, we've heard uh, several different stories of people from in our church community here as we've gone through this Faith Everyday series. We've invited them to share how they live out their faith in their Monday morning through Saturday night lives and, and how God shows up in their everyday life at work, at school, uh, at play, um, in, in the different ways they're invested in their family and their neighborhood. And I'd like to lean into that some more this morning and make it personal for you. How can you live out your faith every day? Uh, what is the mission that God has given you? And so we're going to focus in on that. There's so many different ways to summarize uh, the mission of Jesus in our world today. And when we think about Jesus, a lot of us who are following Jesus, we want to, to live as he lived. We want to say what Jesus said. We want to do what Jesus did. We want to follow his model in, in our world today. And so when you think about Jesus's mission, there's different words given to Jesus' Jesus's mission in the Bible, and, and they're verbs that were placed around him to say, here's why he came. So Jesus arrived here to serve. That's one of the things Jesus came to do. He gave he gave up his life. Jesus built. He built a community of faith. Uh, Jesus searched. He, he searched for those outside the family of faith. And, and so if Jesus did these things, then, then we want to be doing these things. So I want to ask you that question. Are, are you serving? Are you giving? Are you building? Are you searching, especially for those outside of your existing social networks and friend groups? Are you searching? Under this kind of common mission and vision that we all have as followers of Jesus, we each have a unique contribution to bring to the table, a, a unique way of investing. God has shaped you intentionally and differently than those around you so that his image can shine through you in a unique and special way, a reflection of his incredible creativity and variety. What has God called you to be and do in this world with your everyday life? One way to talk about that and think about that, you'll see on the handout, it's this, this word shape, uh, which is five words. Uh, shape stands for spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experiences. How has God shaped you for his service in this world today? We, when you think about architects and builders, before they design a new structure, they ask uh, a primary question. They start with the question, well, what is the purpose? What will this space, what will this building be used for? And the function determines the form. The function it has determines how they put it together, how they form it together. Before God puts you together in that secret place, as the Bible calls it, he said, this is the purpose I have for this person, and so I'm going to form them in this way. I'm going to put them together on purpose. He will pour into you supernatural capabilities through the Spirit of God. He, he, there's things that make your heart beat that he is placed there on purpose. You have skills and uh, ex expertise that he has given you. He's created you with a, a unique uh, character. And, and all the things that you've gone through in this life, he uses all of those things to inform your, your life mission, your life purpose, 
and what he wants you to be involved in in these days. So let's walk through these together. The truth is, if you woke up this morning, it's because God has a purpose for you today. He has something he wants to do through you. And so let's take some time and look at these five things and talk about how they might inform that purpose in our lives. The first one is spiritual gifts. Uh, Peter wrote to the early church about these gifts, and here's what he said in 1 Peter chapter uh, 4. God's gifts of grace come in many forms. Each of you has received a gift in order to serve others. You should use it faithfully. Peter says that these spiritual gifts are a form of God's grace because we don't deserve them, we can't earn them. The Spirit of God simply pours them into our lives. When we, when we become followers of Jesus, when we surrender our lives and receive the forgiveness that God offers us through Jesus, we are, we are transformed, and the Bible says the Spirit of God is put into our lives. And one of the ways that shows up is through spiritual gifts. We have these abilities that are spiritual in nature, that, that expand the kingdom of God, that, that God places in us for the good of others, not just our own good. As we focus on them, we we show that we are faithful to God. As we use them and deploy them, we show that we are faithful to God. So there's four places in the Bible that list out some of the spiritual gifts. You'll see the the passages on the handout here. Uh, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. Those are passages that, that list out some of the spiritual gifts. There's about 20 listed in those different places in the Bible. Uh, But most scholars don't believe that Peter and Paul were trying to give us an exhaustive list of all the gifts. In other words, there's some gifts, some spiritual gifts that may not be listed in those passages, but they are just as useful in God's hands. He has the ability to, to use them to expand his kingdom. And so it's good to think about what are the gifts that God has placed in you? Have any of you ever done the work or thought about and kind of figured out what your gifts are? If you've, you know, have you ever figured out your gifts? Just raise your hand if you think you've got an idea of what some of those. Yeah, some of you have done that work. Anyone want to just tell me one of those gifts? Just yell it out for me. What's one of the gifts that you feel God's placed in your life? Hospitality, service, mercy, maybe one more. Teaching, okay, great. These, these are some of the gifts that, that God might put into you when you become a follower of Jesus. There's different ways to determine what gifts you might have. Uh, People will talk about taking an inventory or a survey. You can find some of those online, and that can be an interesting way to dig into it. I think probably the best way uh, to figure out what gift, spiritual gift you have is to try using the gift that you think you have. So if you think you've been given the gift of teaching, uh, teach something. If you think you've been given the gift of administration, try managing something. Uh, If you find uh, energy as you're doing it, if it resonates with you, it may be a gift that you have. Uh, Another way to determine that gift is to ask someone who knows you well. Talk to a friend or a a sibling or maybe a spouse. If you turn to your spouse and you say, you know, I think I've got the gift of wisdom, and they they laugh a little bit, um, (laughs) that might be telling for you. Like, that's not a gift that God's developed in you yet. You know, maybe there's other gifts he's given you, but maybe not that one. Uh, Ask someone else what they think God might have placed in your life. One of the things I notice about these four passages of Scripture that talk about the gifts is uh, when Peter and Paul wrote those, uh, either before or or right after they write about the gifts, they talk about love, this this call we have to love others well. And I think that's important for us to hold on to because sometimes when we lean into our gifts, we we don't always uh, manage them in a way that you might call loving. We need to think about how when we bring these gifts to bear, it should bring good in the lives of those around us. So before you lead someone, you have to love them. Before you interpret someone, you have to love them. Before you challenge someone, you have to love them. If the expression of the gifts is coming out of your life in a way that is not loving, 
well, then it needs to be developed differently. And I think that's why the, the love passages we find around these gift lists. So the question here you see on the handout is, is what gift have you been given to invest in love? What do you think those are? There, you might have one, you may have several, but, but you know, maybe write down some of those gifts you believe that God has placed in you. The second thing is our hearts. So talk about our hearts for a minute. What are you passionate about? Uh, could you fill in this blank? I love to blank. You know, what would you fill in there? What is the thing that you love doing on the weekends or you love doing at your job or when you're together with your family, you love doing these things together? What are those things you love to do? When the Bible talks about your heart, it's referring to the place that contains your desires and hopes and interests and, and passions and uh, ambitions and dreams and affections. All of that is contained in this idea of your heart. Your heart represents what motivates you to get out of bed in the morning. And it, it's what pushes you through your day, keeping you working. And so at night, you're exhausted because you've invested all these things in the things that you're passionate about. Uh, the scripture talks a lot about our hearts and, and how our hearts operate. I want to look at one passage in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4. And I'm just going to read a couple verses to you from Proverbs 4, 20 through 25. And, and listen for the word heart as we read through these verses. Okay, Proverbs 4, 20. Wisdom says this, My son, my daughter, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Wisdom here says to guard your heart because your very life pours from your heart. The, the things, the people, the emotions that capture your hopes and your passions come from your heart. And so you need to guard your heart. There are things in this life that grab your attention, things that you notice that maybe other people don't notice. There's things that you like to talk about that maybe nobody else in your family really wants to talk about. They, they don't see the things that you see. Well, that's on purpose. You have a certain passion in your heart, things that you're, you give attention to, and God put those in, you, in your heart on purpose. Where did that focus come from? It came from what God is doing in you. So when we live out our, our mission, when we live out our vision that God has for us, there's, there's energy to it. There's an enjoyment to it because it engages our hearts. And it doesn't mean that it's easy all the time. It doesn't mean that it won't cost you anything. In fact, if you pursue the, the mission that God has for you in this life, it's certainly going to have a price tag attached to it. It's going to cost you something. But you'll be willing to pay that price because your heart is in it. I think that's why the proverb here says, uh, don't allow lies and corrupt talk to come out. Because when you're living out your heart's passion, you don't have to compare yourself to other people. You don't have to fake it. You can just be who you are. It says, keep your eyes directly in front of you. Look forward, focus in on that thing that God has caused your heart to pay attention to. And, and so what is it that you love to do? Focus in on those things and, and move with it. Another way to think about this area of your heart is to think about what breaks your heart. What are the things that happen in, in your neighborhood or in our world today? And when you see them, you just, your first thought is like, that should not be what happens. It kind of stirs you up. It gets you active. It may, maybe even makes you angry because you see it happening and you're like, that is not the way life should go. When you hear about the suffering of another person, uh, you're just like, man, that just is terrible. That's not the way life should be. If something breaks your heart, uh, it might be connected to your, your mission in life, your purpose, why God puts you here. You see the question on the handout is, what breaks your heart that breaks the heart 
of God. Trying to answer that question, that can be a great way to start to lean into what you were created to do in this world. There are things in this world that bother us, that, that we get upset about, that we get angry about, and, and God has placed you and, and helped you to see those things that you could respond and do something. And scripture makes it clear that there are things that, breaks the, that break the heart of God. There are things that, uh, that, that he is not satisfied with in this world, things that stir him up. The Bible talks about sickness and suffering, that God doesn't like pride and division, sin and unbelief, hate and injustice. These are the things that get, that get God stirred up. And if they stir you up as well, it might be part of that, that reason God puts you on earth. So we have spiritual gifts. We have your heart. The third one is abilities. Abilities, the, the, natural th- the things you can get done. The things you can get done. The, uh, Jesus told a story once about a, a business leader who was heading out on a long trip. And before he left, he pulled three of his employees in for a staff meeting. And he said, hey, I'm going to be gone several months and I'm going to give each of you an investment. I'm going to give each of you some money, and I want you to use it and, and give it back to me when I get back. And, and uh, Jesus, when he told the story, he said that this leader gave each one an amount according to what they could handle. In other words, it, it wasn't beyond their capacity. They could have used it in, in, in good ways to, to make something more of it. And so he gave to one about $5,000, one about $2,000, one about $1,000. And then he headed out of town. And the first two, with the larger amounts of money, they quickly began to invest that money. They began to multiply it and double it and, and use it to, to make a difference. The third one who had the $1,000 dug a hole in the ground and buried it. Because that's what you do with money, right? <laughs> he put it in the ground. Now this man returned back uh, to, the, to them uh, months later. And he said, okay, tell me what happened. And one by, he met with them one-on-one. And they each came to him. And, and the first two... Uh, came uh, on their own, and they said, here's your investment, and here's double. You know, I doubled it. I, I've got more to give back to you. And to each one, he said the same thing separately. He said, excellent. You are good and faithful servants. You've been faithful over a little. I'll put you in charge of much. Come and celebrate with me. They begin to realize that this was, was an opportunity. He was testing them. He was saying, will you use what I've given you to do something? Will you do something with it? And he said, you did a great job. You've been faithful in it. And then the last one comes to him, he digs up the money and he brings it back to the master. And, and he, already he kind of knows he didn't do the right thing because he gets defensive. And he says, I knew you were a hard man, a hard person to work for, that you take what is not yours. And so I just kind of hid the money and, he, and here's back what you gave me. I, it's all there. I didn't use it. It's all there. And it doesn't go as well for this employee. The, the master's not happy with him. First of all, he doesn't even know his boss. What he says about the boss is not true. He doesn't know him. And second, he didn't invest what he had been given. He didn't use it in a way that honored uh, the, the owner, the, the master of the story. The story here is, is really not as much about money as it is about our abilities, about the things that we can do. God has placed in you natural abilities that you have that maybe others don't have. And you notice in the story here that Jesus told that there were, there were no no-talent people. Everybody was given something. He's given all of us something. Even when you think, you know, I've got nothing to give. Some of us wake up on those gray mornings and are like, I don't, I don't have anything to give today. And, and Jesus would say to you, that's not true. All of you have abilities and talents, uh, unique perspective on the world. And God is, is inviting you to invest those in such a way that you can multiply it, to release it for his glory and for your neighbor's good. Some of these things might be dormant in your life. You might not even realize they're there. You've, you've got to acknowledge them and develop them and release them. Every ability can be used for God's glory. 
The Bible is filled with all sorts of abilities that people had. There were artistic abilities and administrative abilities, baking, debating, designing, embalming. You know, that's the one we all need, right? Embalming, engraving, farming, fishing, gardening, managing, leading, making music, needlework, painting, inventing, selling, sailing, teaching, writing. I mean, we could go on and on. All these abilities that Scripture talks about bringing glory to God. So the key question here is, what talent have you been given to multiply for God's glory? What are the abilities that you have that God has said, I'm, I'm just waiting to see what you're going to do. Just waiting to see what you're going to do with these things. Okay, just a couple more here. The fourth one is personality. Now, the Bible never uses the term personality, but it does talk about how you are fearfully and wonderfully made. When the Old Testament poet wrote those words down, he was saying that you are put together with respect and intention on purpose. And the result is a beautiful thing. You are beautiful because God puts you together for a reason. Part of that beauty is found in your unique personality. When we began, I read this passage from Ephesians 2. I want to read that again and, and, and listen to these words again. These are true about you. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You are God's masterpiece. You're a work of art. And when an artist creates a masterpiece, they don't start with an old outline or a mass-produced formula. They, it's a new movement in their life. It's, it's usually their, their greatest work. Their masterpiece is their greatest work, the pinnacle of their career, once in a lifetime. And, and everyone who sees it knows it just speaks to so many people. Well, when God made you, he made his masterpiece. And since he's eternal, he can do that over and over again in each one of our lives. Our personalities are part of this artwork. Each one of us has a, a way about us, an internal wiring that makes us who we are. And, and we can refine our personalities, we can sharpen our personalities, but, but we can't really remove them. They're just who we are as people. And of course, every personality has good things about it and not so good things about it. There's pros and cons to how we approach life. And so uh, the wise person, someone who's mature and how they approach life, they will be able to highlight the good parts of their personality and lift those up. And the parts of their personality that are not as good, they've been able to identify and they minimize those. They try to lessen those. And they, but the important thing is that you move with your personality. Don't, uh, don't try to go against the grain of your personality, the way that God puts you together. You should go with the grain, with your personality. There's so many different personalities we see in the Bible. That's one of the great things about Scripture, all the stories that it tells and all the different kinds of people. There's always someone that you can relate to. Uh, Peter was a people person, impulsive, active. He was the life of the party. Paul was also a people person, but he was a little bit more measured, a little more direct, self-motivated. Uh, Moses didn't really like people that much, even though he was a leader of a nation. He didn't really like that many people. And he, he, he was more focused, more critical, maybe even cynical at times. Jeremiah, who we talked about a few minutes ago, was intuitive and empathetic, a real strong sense of justice in his life, almost a perfectionism in Jeremiah's life that God had to work on. There, there's so many different ways to explore your personality. Some of you probably know some of the tools out there, Myers-Briggs, the Enneagram, uh, the DISC, lots of different ways to dig into your personality types. And so uh, think about that and answer this question, how has God uniquely wired you to build his kingdom? What's the unique personality type that you have? And why did God give that to you on purpose? The final thing we want to talk about is your experiences. 
the things that you've been through in this life. And experiences are a little different because a lot of times our life, experiences in life happen to us. I mean, there are things that we create. We sometimes choose to have certain experiences, but a lot of experiences in our life that we remember are things that happened to us. So you can invest in your gifts, you can examine your heart, you can sharpen your personality, but a lot of times life just happens. And those experiences come along, family experiences, educational experiences, job, spiritual experiences. Sometimes we have traumatic or painful experiences. And even those things, God will allow in our lives so that we might be shaped in a certain way to serve in his kingdom, to be part of what he's doing in the world today. There's a powerful verse about this in 2 Corinthians. And Paul writes this down. He says, God comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort that God has given to us. Paul had some troubling times in his life. People tried to kill him, got kicked out of towns, got shipwrecked, bit by snakes. Remember, he was imprisoned. Paul went through some difficult seasons of life. He says, God comforted me, and now I'm able to comfort others because he was with me during those times of suffering and hardship. These challenging experiences that we face and go through, they're never meaningless. They're always useful in God's hands. Even when they seem to be meaningless, God can use them to help us grow and understand our purpose, why we were placed here on earth. It can be helpful to create a little life timeline of your, of your life, you know, a little line where you were born, then draw a straight line with an arrow, and then just identify some of those seasons in life, some of those moments where God showed up in a powerful way, when you felt like he changed your life in some way, or you went through some difficult things and you knew he was there, and you can identify those on your, on your, on your timeline, and just remind yourself that nothing is wasted with God. He uses all of it. I think about Joseph, this great character in the Jewish scriptures who was betrayed and accused of things falsely. He was in prison, uh, and even though he did nothing wrong. He faced jealousy, uh, he, loss of his family. And at the end of his life, he was able to stand in front of all these, his brothers who had done this stuff to him, all these people who had caused him pain, and he had a chance to say something to them. What would you say in that moment if you had the audience in front of you of all the people that had made your life difficult? What would you say? I'm not sure I would say anything all that good, right? But Genesis 50 records what Joseph said. He said to his brothers, he said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I don't think Joseph came by those words easy. God had to work with him and teach him grace and help him forgive. But he got to the place where he was able to say, I now see that even though I went through hardship and suffering, God, you were with me. And you are using it so that other lives could be saved, so that others could know mercy and grace and hope. So the question here is, what things have you gone through that can help others face their circumstances? What are some things that God has guided you through? Good things, hard things. What are some things that he's brought you through that he might say, I want you to use these to help others who are struggling I want to finish up by letting you hear an example of, of someone who has uh, kind of walked through some of these areas in her own life. A few weeks ago, I met uh, Megan at a coffee shop just north of here. She came, I was working at a table. She came up and said, hey, are you the pastor at Hillcrest? And she and her husband, Derek, have been showing up here at Hillcrest a few times recently. And uh, she talked to me about some of the things she'd been through. And here's Megan here. You guys want to welcome Megan as she's coming up here? Yeah. Hey. 
So I, I, um, she was talking about kind of changes about four years ago. She had a shift in her life. And as she was talking to me, I thought, hey, in a couple of weeks, I'm talking about this at church. And I don't normally pounce on people I meet for the first time. <laughs> but I was like, would you be interested in sharing some of that journey with, with our congregation? And, and uh, I mean, graciously, you said, yes. <laughs> so here you are. So Megan, just tell us, what, what, is, uh, what have been some of the changes in your world in the last four years or so? Yeah, um, so four years ago, I ended a 10-year career um, in accounting, and it was fine. I enjoyed it, um, but it didn't, I didn't really feel like that was what God was calling me to do um, long-term with my life. So I quit my job and um, decided to follow my passion, which is dogs, and open up my own dog daycare, boarding, and grooming place. Yeah, yeah. So when we think about our hearts, I mean, you'd been an accountant for 10 years. That's a long time. What was it about your heart? What was changing in your, your passions or what you were interested in that caused that change for you? Um, you know, obviously accounting is necessary and not everybody can do that, but I just really didn't feel like I was making a difference in an individual person's life. You know, I really wanted that spark that passion to feel like, you know, the people that I'm impacting and working with on a day-to-day basis, like I'm truly making their life easier. I'm, I'm, I'm helping them in a way that's meaningful to them. Um, and so, yeah. And, um, I also just felt like, yeah, I think I answered your question. Yeah, Sorry. No, <laughs> I thought I had good. something else. <laughs> yeah. So it was about people. You said, I want yeah. to invest in people and see that God can use me to make a difference in their lives. Yeah. Yeah, a minute ago I said you were were created to contribute, not just consume. So when you hear that, this idea of made to contribute, what does that mean to you? How do you you see this new role in your life helping to contribute to the lives of others? I mean, I feel like, you know, so for me, my dogs are my children, and I treat them as such, and I think a lot of people in this room may feel the same way. Um, So I really, what I wanted to do with my business is really have a place where we treat your dogs like you treat them at home. They're your fur babies, they're your family. And so having- Fur babies, that just corrects me every time you say it. (laughs) Having a place where, you know, your dogs are being loved and cared for, you trust us, you're, you know, putting your, you know, fur babies, children's lives um, in our hands to care for them and love them and make sure that they're getting everything that they need. Um, That, that's important in the community. Also, you know, wasn't something that I initially anticipated off the bat, but with the pandemic in the last couple of years, you know, just providing people employment and jobs and, you know, with a, a wage that is, you know, sustainable for them um, became something that I really wanted to focus on. And so to me, having, being able to provide jobs for my employees where they're, they feel valued and they're getting, you know, they're being paid appropriately for the work that they're doing, but they're also being able to live out their passion, their love for animals and be happy at work. You know, we work with dogs, it should be fun. Um, so that became something that's really meaningful to me to be able to provide that to the people that live here in Kansas City. Yeah. So moving from accounting to a, a business startup is a pretty big change. I mean, challenging. So what were some of the experiences that you had that started to shift you, your thought, your focus, and make you think, well, maybe this is something I could do? Yeah, um, so one of the things that I was able to do the last couple of years um, in my career in accounting was work with um, startup businesses and local entrepreneurs, and that was just so inspiring to me. These people, you know, put everything on the line for this idea, this product, this service, how they're going to change the market that they're in, and I just felt you could see that 
their intensity and their passion and their just love for what they're doing. And I wanted that. I, I didn't feel that um, in my job. And so that was just something that I was like, I, w- I started searching for that. God placed that desire in my heart to find whatever that is for me. And here we are. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's good that he did. Is yeah. that what you're doing now? So let's say thanks again to Megan for sharing her story. Thanks, Megan, for coming up. So we want our lives to matter. Uh, we want our lives to, to speak into the lives of others. And so figuring out this idea of purpose and mission is really important uh, for, for each one of us. And so that's my hope for you this morning. As you look at these things, as you look at the spiritual gifts God may have placed in your life, your heart, your passion, your abilities, your personality, the experiences that you've had, that you'll start to see uh, what God is calling you to be about, how he wants you to invest in, in your family, in your community, in our neighborhood. We want our lives to speak the name of Jesus, to, to lift up Jesus, to help people find hope and peace and joy in the midst of their everyday lives. And, and we get to be involved in the kingdom of God. We get to be involved in this work as followers of Jesus. We get to bring light and healing into our communities. So we, let's embrace how God has shaped us. Let's ask him to guide us in this. And let's remember that, that you woke up this morning because God has a purpose for you today. He's got something he wants to do in you and through you to be a blessing. He wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. So let's ask him to guide us into that. I want to invite the worship team to come back up. And as they're coming up, we're going to pray together. Let's just ask God to guide us in this. Invite him to, to help us know what he'd have us do. So will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for these moments together this morning to think about and reflect on uh, how you put us together, the mission you created us for, the purpose of our, our lives. And Father, I'm thankful that one of those purposes is, is community, that we would be in it together, that we would be part of the kingdom of God, that you would call us uh, to bring our unique gifts, our unique abilities, so that your kingdom might expand and that dark places might find uh, light and, and challenging places might find hope and hurting environments might find peace. Lord, you have called us to be agents of change in our families, in our neighborhoods, at school, at work, wherever we find ourselves, whoever we see, that we can bring light to those around us. So we thank you for the way you have shaped us, how you've put us together, Help us to um, know our purpose. Would you speak to us? Would you guide us that we can embrace it and we can live into it? Father, if we're feeling purposeless right now, we're feeling like we're wandering a bit, would you remind us that we are deeply loved, that you have called us your own, that Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. So Lord, help us to live into that truth that we can be people of light in this world. And we'll thank you for it. Because of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So good to be with you this morning, to lift our voices, to invite God to speak to us. I want to invite our prayer team to come up at this time every Sunday. There's volunteers up front to pray with you and encourage you. Especially this morning, if you have a sense of, of God calling you out in a new way, or there's a new season in front of you, a new mission that he's placed before you, and you'd like to pray with someone about that, just want to encourage you to come up and let us lift you up and encourage you today. 
Uh, next Sunday, we're going to start a new series through the summer. We're going to be reading through the book of Judges together this summer and seeing what God would say to us through that Old Testament book about a period of, of history in Israel where it was said that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And what does that say to us today? So I hope you'll be able to join us. Um, go with God now. See that he is calling you out, that he loves you. You are his masterpiece. So go and live into the mission he's called you to. We'll see you next Sunday. Go with God. Amen.